0: Good evening. Uh, My name's Jenny, and I'm the Associate Pastor with Bethany Northeast, and it is a privilege to be celebrating this night with all of you, many of you visiting, who've never maybe set foot in this building before, some of you from uh, the congregation across the hall, Lake City Prez. So, uh, and I want to say, this is actually one of my favorite services of the year, if not my favorite. And I say that as a person who isn't necessarily drawn to sad things. I'm not necessarily drawn to sad movies. I'm not drawn to sad books. Uh, and and yet this has been something that from the time I can remember has been one of my favorite nights of the year in the church. And maybe it's because I grew up Lutheran. And if any of you in the, maybe grow up in a very mainline, very... Um, traditional church, then we would ha- celebrate Good Friday by turning the lights lower and lower and lower as we um, celebrated the service, and at the end of the service, the lights would be completely out, and we would shut the book of the Bible, so it would make this loud slam, and then everyone would walk out in silence, and as a kid, of course, that was somewhat jarring, but it was also powerful. There's this drama to it that I think is stuck with me. Whatever it is that's drawn me to this night, I now believe it is one of the most important nights of our year. It's important to our understanding of Easter on Sunday morning, but it's also important to our understanding of who Jesus is at a fundamental level. Sandy and Alicia just read two portions of a common passage from John 19. Many churches around the world tonight are reading those same verses, remembering the humanity of Jesus' death, the agony of it. We're actually going to go in a slightly different direction tonight. We're going to look a little bit backwards. We're going to keep those verses in the back of our head, but for the next just few minutes as we reflect tonight on Scripture, I'm actually going to add one more Scripture for us to look at, and this happens right after Palm Sunday, the sort of, or what we celebrate on Palm Sunday, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, and people were waving palms and shouting Hosanna, and then... Jesus turns to his followers right after that. They're expecting him to be crowned king any day. They think they're going to see the Messiah come into his kingdom the way they think it's going to happen. And Jesus starts talking to them about his death, about how he's about to die. And it's a little jarring, if you might imagine, if you think this guy's going to be your next king, the final king. And so Jesus says to them, and this is the verse, starting in John, er, John 12, beginning in verse 22. Jesus says to them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds, Anyone who loves their life, he says, will lose it. But anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And then he says, now my soul is troubled. It's heavy. But what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And a voice comes from heaven and says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And Jesus says, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. The fact is, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now is the prince of this world will be driven out. And when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. This is what Jesus says about his death. And if you just heard Jesus' explanation of how Uh, a seed's work, and how a seed has to die in order to be growing. You may have gotten sidetracked, maybe not, but my brain sometimes does this. You might have been saying, is that true? Does the seed actually die before it grows? And the answer, if you're smarter than me, you know this already, is no. Uh, That's not actually exactly how it works scientifically. Seeds are actually bursting with life and potential, and they don't actually die. Matt, my husband, gave me a um, gift for our fourth wedding anniversary a year ago, and it was a sapling tree. And I, just to be very honest with you, don't actually um, know a lot about plants. And so I, I didn't know that trees don't just naturally absorb water from the air. And even in Seattle, you have to water them um, in order to keep them alive, especially in the summer. And so I can report back definitively to you that the seed, any seeds that were on that tree are no, are no more. They... they may still exist, but they are dead. Nothing's going to come out of them. And so why does Jesus say that a seed must die? And why use this analogy to help his disciples understand more about his death? What's he talking about? Jesus is speaking with people who want to take him and put him on a throne. And he's trying to help them see him more clearly, who he is. And so he wants them to see that putting him on a throne in his human form would be like taking a seed and putting it into a vase and treating it like a flower. Or it would be like taking an apple seed and trying to make an apple pie with it. I mean, he's trying to show them, hey, you don't even see the anything. You only see a tiny bit of what the potential is of who I am. They're mistaking the purpose of who he is. But if you're getting hung up on the seed metaphor, I was thinking about this idea of death and when death means life. And I thought back to when I I used to travel a lot for work Um, when I worked for an accounting firm, my former accounting firm, and about two months out of every year, I would be holed up in a small lumber town uh, that was just south of Eureka, California. And it was only a 10 minute drive from the Avenue of the Giants which is uh, in Humboldt Redwood State Park. And so when I would have to stay over for work on weekends, I didn't do this nearly often enough, but sometimes I would drive down and just visit the Redwood Forest. And it's amazing because if you get out of your car, you're immediately in this giant forest down there. And if you start walking at all, you're not only struck by these hugely tall, giant trees, but you're also struck by the fact that there's trees that are laying down. There's trees that are fallen, and they are taller than you by many feet. And they, are, they appear dead, and you can get sad, right? Because these trees that were once glorious are now fallen. But the truth is, when you get close to them, they're covered in life, right? They're covered in insects. They're covered in ferns and moss and mushrooms and critters. And they're very slowly, very, very slowly decomposing and melting into the soil to provide this rich source of life for the rest of the forest. It's their death that allows life to continue, in fact. Up to hundreds of species can live on one fallen tree that size. Jesus is saying, I've come for the same purpose as a seed is thrown into the ground, to be buried and raised into a new life form, and not just life for me, but life for many and this is why Jesus says, "I have to die. A seed has to die to its current form in order to sprout new life. Literally, it's not dying, but actually, it's dying to its form. It's breaking open. Right? A seed. If you've ever seen a bye, if you've ever seen a, a seed sprout new life, what happens to the seed? It breaks open. It becomes no longer what it was. So it is with our Lord." Jesus knows the only way we in this world are going to understand who God is really, that God loves us, his creation, in the most powerful way possible. The only way we're going to understand this God is that we see this God is willing to give up everything for us. To see him give up what is most precious to him, his son's own life. This is John 3, 16, right? For God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son. Or John 15, Jesus says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Greater love has no one than this. He says just a few verses later, what that he would lay down his life for his friends. He's saying this is the way we understand love at its most powerful that God would lay down his life for us. And so Jesus knows this. This is the way forward. And he admits he's troubled. He's grieved. I don't want us to pass over his humanity. This is why we read John 19. And Jesus' suffering is real. And he wore real clothes. He felt real shame when they were torn away. He got thirsty. He got physically anxious when he looked upon his Coming death. But Jesus then points us to the fact in John 12 that he knows this is necessary. And in fact, he's he's almost eager for it because he knows it's exactly what we need. In verse 31, he says, Now is the time. It's come for judgment on the world, for the Prince of Peace, the Prince of the World, sorry, to be driven out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. In other words, Jesus knows it's only through this death that the power of sin and the power of darkness and the power of our human death will be overcome. And in his human form, Jesus can only heal and touch and speak to a few thousand people in a very small corner of the world, in his risen form, in his Even in his death on a cross, he is the savior of the world, hanging limp on a cross. That picture is with us 2,000 years later in the United States of America, right? That is a seed being buried and becoming something completely different. We have a God who mysteriously chooses to glorify himself. The greatest moment of glory of Jesus' life, he's saying, when he says glorify God, would you glorify your name? He's pointing to the cross. He's not pointing to a king's coronation or to an angel choir singing in the skies or to an army slaying his enemies before him. He's pointing to the humble death of a criminal on a cross on a Friday afternoon, a death that will for thousands of years to come communicate the fact that we have a God who loves us enough to die for us and to die the same kind of death we as humans will face. And so the seed has fallen to the ground in Christ's death. And of course, we know this is the beginning of the story. This is just the beginning. The beginning of a forest can result from the planting of one redwood seed. God is still writing this story. And so we are actually like Christ now. We, are be, we have become seeds that can be growing in a forest. I know this is a, an analogy you may be not used to hearing on Good Friday, but I love this picture. We have the ability to burst forth in new life. And Jesus says, first, you come and you die with me. And this is where he's speaking to his followers in John 12 and says, follow me. Lose your life to save it, right? We're going to respond tonight and sort of ponder this. How are we dying in the confession, Jack Red? How are we dying to ourselves and dying to this world in some ways so that we can embrace what God has for us in new life, in life everlasting that starts right now? And so there's four stations here. And the first I'll point to is at the cross. It's confession, Where we can go, and actually, there's black sticky notes and black pens, and you can write a confession of what in your life needs to die. Next, in the back, or I'll point to the back last actually. To my left, tonight is a night we are maybe more mindful than many nights of the suffering that exists still in our world. We're mindful that Christ suffered and died at the hands of. Us, as fellow human beings. And so we lament that. We lament the suffering that still exists today, the death that still exists today. And you can write in a prayer journal and lament kind of for our community, for our world, actually, tonight. And then at this, where you entered, many of you already lit a candle. But this is a place to offer prayer. This is where we say, God, come and intervene in my life, in my family's life. And there's instructions at every one of these stations. And then finally, in the back, we have a place that's, again, a little unconventional, but a place to consider the hope that comes from death, from Jesus' death, because it's there, and it's powerful, and we can't ignore it even tonight even as we remember his death. And so that is a place to unearth a a plant from its sort of temporary plastic home and plant it in a place that we'll then use on Easter Sunday in a planter. And so get your hands dirty and remind yourselves of the hope that comes from being buried with Christ. That's my invitation to us tonight. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to have a few more songs and invite you to stand, actually. If you'd stand with me now, and you can sit once, we, once I pray for us, or you can go and find a station. You are really free to do whatever you need to in this time to reflect on who Jesus is and the tremendous love our God has for us that he would go to the cross on this night 2,000 years ago. Let's pray. God, we give you this night. And God, even as it is dark and getting dark physically in this space, God, I pray that you would reveal the love that comes out of your stepping into this darkness with us. And Lord, would we know without a shadow of a doubt the hope that comes from that love in you. God, would we, even as we grieve and lament tonight, would you give us a taste of the hope that comes on Easter morning? We thank you. Amen.